Um, all right, so I'll do a quick intro. We'll get going, and then hopefully it will all be right. less time for us to reload later. Excellent. I am recording. All right. Welcome. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, how do you like them apples? <laughs> <laughs> there we are. There's your intro. I don't even have to do the intro for the pun this week. <laughs> Welcome to the Bare Naked ABCs, where we discuss every Bare Naked Lady song from 7 to Y. And as you can tell, we're uh, a little bit off this week. I have joining me only one of my co hosts this week, only Betsy. <laughs> but hey we do have two amazing guests joining us this week. We have Andrew and Justin. Welcome. Hi, everyone. It's great to be back. Hey, everyone. It's me, Justin. I'm totally here, too. Yep. <laughs> totally, really, actually, definitely here. Nope. Here. Not sitting in a quiet room at work recording this beforehand and having to send it to Tracy to kind of wedge in the middle of the podcast. Nope. Definitely not that. Not doing that at all. I am definitely not at work, and I am actually totally here. Right, Andrew? I'm totally here. He's here. Yeah, he's he's right there. He's the, yeah, the handsomest guy I ever met. Yeah. I am he's, so he's a lot like is... the snuffleupagus of this podcast, really. I mean, that would explain right why you can see him and I cannot. Yeah. <laughs> I thought my video just wasn't working, but now that explains it. That's what it is. Well, he'll be back in a minute anyway. Oh, okay. Excellent. Well, we're going to talk this week about um, a song I think that you specifically, Andrew, requested to to join us for. Um, So it'll be interesting. And I think Justin also had a couple of of thoughts that he definitely wanted to uh, say about this. Oh, yeah, it's this. This is one of the greats. Totally, totally, absolutely agree. Just like I'm absolutely totally here. As as you can see, Justin's very agreeable, but um, this is one of the great uh, Bare Naked Ladies songs, of course. And and oh, really? No, I totally disagree. I totally disagree with that. Oh. I am totally here, totally disagreeing with that. Oh, I, I guess Justin isn't going to like this song after all. Okay, well, you know, I, I'm kind of shocked by that, really. But if you've never heard of these apples off, maybe you should drive. Here is a quick snippet. said can all this food be free um no i yeah, yeah i did request to be on this of course i love the song but um i i was worried after because really this is also one of the songs where really everything has kind of been said about this song in that legendary usenet post from like 30 years ago and i'm really glad you found it we'll get to that later mm. but I, I can't think of a better uh, kind of exploration of this song than that. So we'll see how how we do. I was gonna say I think we'll break it down, and then I'll I'll add in whatever maybe we missed along the way. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> oh, really? 
no, I totally disagree. Um, but while we while we we don't have Aaron to guess what album it's on, so we're just gonna say this is an Ed song. They played it a lot in the <laughs> early years, um, and and they really like to play. It. They've played this eighty seven times uh, total. They, uh, oh. Reportedly, they've only played it three times since Stephen left. That's interesting. You'd think that they'd kind of be leaning into the classic Ed songs post Steve. Yeah. But I mean, like when you say this is an Ed song, it's such an Ed song, you know, like if you give me a song and it's all about how uh, the man is lying and bad at relationships, uh, you know, okay, it's a Steve song. That's par for the course. If it's a bunch of very quippy <laughs> references and just really fun rhymes, like you know where we are, right? We're in Ed town. <laughs> it is definitely an Ed song. Like, I don't get why they don't come back to this more often. <laughs> Yeah, it's gorgeous. <laughs> uh, it was played for the first time on February 9th in 1994 at the Bottom Line in New York City. And uh, Stephen likes the song, too, because he's actually played it three times on Live From Home. Hmm. Steve yeah. played this as well. Wow. And it wasn't just on like one of his shows where he's like, well, I'll recap all the songs we've right. ever done and, and work my way through them. Like that was one of the times, but he's also come back to it two other times. So obviously likes the song. That's kind of nice. <laughs> Who wouldn't? Well, Ed calls it the <laughs> most progressive rock of all our songs, especially the ending. <laughs> especially the ending. Yeah. I, I don't know if, why, why would you say that? As somebody who doesn't understand why, I've heard the term progressive rock, but I'm not cool enough to know what it means. I was just going to say, I don't know why he said that either. Okay. <laughs> Especially considering the fact that we have this really, um, the, the bridge, which is what I kind of think he's talking about because it goes bridge and then it goes back to the chorus as it, and then it leads out, but it's kind of a, it's not a big outro. Okay. So I'm guessing maybe he would be talking about the, um, I'm guessing maybe he'd be talking about the bridge, but the bridge is more, I guess, bluegrassy than anything else with that banjo. Yeah. So, yeah, so is that progressive rocket kind of a bluegrassy? Banjo? I don't think it is. <laughs> no, I think it's like a heavier. Yeah. Yeah, so right. I, I don't know where Ed's coming from on that at all. Unless he's doing a play on words with progressive because it's progressed to or the end like of the song. there's like a chord progression. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> don't snort yourself. <laughs> I was going to say this is the most German expressionist of their songs. And I'm not okay, going to explain that. Yeah, I'm just going <laughs> to see. I can do stuff like that too, Ed. Whatever. <laughs> Yours makes more sense than his. <laughs> <laughs> um on music we have andy on piano and timpani like interesting we in what instrument like let's just pull something weird out of the closet here sounds like <laughs> andy. This... Yeah. <laughs> throw a dart and um yeah. jim is on electric bass and we got steven on lead electric guitar which is that's a really odd thing too for him to be on the lead electric We've got Ed on the acoustic guitar, the electric guitar, the peel, the pedal steel guitar, and the banjo. Well, they might as well give Steve the lead then, I guess. 
He's like, you gotta do something. Everything else, yeah. <laughs> and then Ben Mink, who was the producer of this album, um, is on violin, viola, and electric guitar as well. And how is Viola? I, I heard she's fine. Okay, good. <laughs> Glad she's recovered. <laughs> she recovered from Ben Mink being on her on this album. Well, ladies love Mink, so I'm told by 40s movies. Just checking her. <laughs> so we don't have anyone to normally break this down. However, I was able to find this wonderful website off from... A, one of the videos that I watched for this week where they played it live, they refer to Alan Doyle. Betsy, you probably know who, who our friend oh, yes. Alan is. Um, yes. Yeah, he was in Portland recently. And Alan Doyle has a website um, called um, Rockin', Rocket, Rock It Old School. Um, <laughs> obviously. Um, and where he broke down all of the songs of the early BNL and some of the later BNL, and then he sent the chords to Ed or showed him at a show, at a show, and Ed was like, "Yep, all those chords are right." So Ed even references it on the on the oh, live wow. uh, recording at one of the um, guitar stores that they played recently. Well, not recently, but in 2014, I believe. Um, he even says like, if you want to know what the chords are for the songs, go to that website. Cause it'll break it all down. Nice. And so I did. Um, <laughs> what's the name of that? <laughs> uh, the name of the, name of the uh, website is rocketoldschool.com. And if okay. you go to the guitar files and guitar chords, tab it will then go to letting you break down depending it will show you like which album it is and then you pick the song off the album and then you can pick which you want the tabs the chords or the piano yeah cool not to be confused with old school rockets yeah is that uh i i don't want to ask i don't i don't want to know <laughs> I don't also not to be confused with rockets candy they're delicious <laughs> i guess you you guys are americans you call them smarties down there right Smarties, yes. Yeah. Oh, and, and, and Canadian Smarties are like our M and M's. Only Smarties. Our M and M's, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> our different M and M's. Yeah, they're better. Their coatings better. Their chocolates better. Everything. They're better. very good. It, you were having a lot of cultural exchange tonight. That's great. Yeah. Oh, and hey, Tim Hortons. Hey. <laughs> hey. hey. We have it back That's in what Maine. We say when we go to Tim Hortons. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so to do a quick breakdown of the music, since we don't have Aaron or Heidi, I will look at these tabs. Um, <clears throat> this is a really easy song, thank goodness, because um, <clears throat> otherwise I wouldn't be able to break this down at all. Uh, we <laughs> have a very basic structure of verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus. Um, okay. In terms of the chords, it's almost literally a two chord song. It's G, A7, G, A7, G, A7, G, A7, G, A7, all throughout the whole entire. Ooh, I, could, I could start on guitar with that song. <laughs> all right. G That's cool. awesome. It's a pretty good early song if you want to learn, learn how to play guitar. <laughs> Learn guitar the Ed way. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then when it goes to the verse, I mean, when it goes to the chorus, we have a B minor seven. Uh, 
A7, G, G, F sharp, E minor 7, A7, B minor 7, A7, C. Now, I don't know if that's a 1, 2. I don't know the progression on that. I Don't ask me to break that part down. I'm not, not good enough to do that. Um, there are a couple of sus chords that are mixed into the second verse um, a couple of times. And then the bridge, again, sticks pretty much to the same of G, A7, and B minor 7 throughout the whole thing. So it's a pretty easy song, I would think, to play live. I mean, to play on the on the guitar. I'll take your word for it. <laughs> <laughs> so that that's the musical breakdown. That's all I can provide musically. Well, and I think on I the, there's a version of it that they did live where uh, Andy was playing congas too, or I think it was congas. Ooh, I didn't see that one. The inter interactive and inter oh the interactive <laughs> intimate and interactive yes intimate yeah. and interactive yeah, mm. yeah. that's I a much I. music standby yeah yeah R yep R.I.P. much music yeah yeah like kind of our MTV <laughs> <laughs> the the better version of MTV because it probably oh, lasted longer <laughs> it lasted slightly longer and we did have a talking sock so oh see yeah. <laughs> it was all good. <laughs> <laughs> but, Tell me it had googly eyes. <laughs> yeah, he did have googly eyes and a cigar. Yeah. Ed the Sock uh, is his name. You can Google him. But you, what is it, Mr. Sock? Ed the Sock. He he oh. he was like Triumph the insult comic dog. Okay. He would like, interview yeah. celebrities and things. Yeah. But you didn't have <laughs> remote control. Yeah. Uh, uh, we did have remote control. It aired on on much music. <laughs> Oh my goodness. It had the MTV logo on it, but it was there. It was great. We'll see. Already better. Mm -hmm. You got the best parts of MTV and then intermittent interactive and, and the better hosts. What more could you ask? Speaker's Corner. Yeah. So you could just go and be on it if you really want to. Yeah. But we have much worse weather. <laughs> well, let's talk about. I don't have a lot to add about this song, but maybe we could talk to talk about the uh, bridge. I, even though it's more of a bluegrass bridge in the middle of this, I would say more of an alternative rock type type sound, but I, I, it's almost a country type sound for this this yeah. this song. And you can really, you know. This has only become more pronounced, I feel, in recent years. But Ed's background was in country before the, the band. And you can hear it coming out wholesale in this song. Mm -hmm. And it just keeps getting more and more, you know. And on the next album, they've got, you know, it's a long way back home, I think. This is just mm -hmm. kind of a straight-up country song. And and he, and he since, you know, the, in the Fantastic Four era, I feel like he's just kind of leaned more into that the stuff that I've I've heard from that. So and you know, more power to him. E country, Ed. Yeah. Name's Ed. <laughs> <laughs> I mean you got like Canada Dry and stuff like that. So you do you have mm -hmm. he he dips back into that a lot more in the post speak, post page era. Yeah. 
And I do kind of like, I'm not a big country fan, but I like Ed's country. Like when he does it like for you and stuff like that, I really like his version of country. Yeah. yeah I think it's moderated enough so that it's not like super twangy and all that stuff. The mm. kind of stuff that I don't really like, but I, I like yeah, some I, country. But I, I think the stuff people don't like is, is like, it's like kind of the modern country that's very like stylized and more about the, the like a, a lifestyle, like here I am in my truck and I'm wearing jeans and things <laughs> like that. And, and like, yeah. like the good country that, that I think Ed is kind of reaching back to here is just folksiness, you know, it's, yeah. it's mm-hmm. like, like very stripped down and, and it's the stuff you dance to in a barn at a, or at a country fair and stuff like that. And that's the stuff everybody yeah, relates to. They're like, down. Oh, I like this though. And I think you kind of hit on it. I think it's almost a blend of folk and country together. And, and because it has that nice blend and then you get a little bit of rock in there with it, it, that's what makes it work for me. Mm -hmm. And yeah, again, it's not talking about topics that I'm like, okay, yeah, I really don't care about listening to this. Um, It's talking about things that I do care about listening to, which is kind of like what the song is. Not even crop circles, the greatest (laughs) country song ever written. Drop circles in the moonlight, mean us boys have been around Show the girls a little good time, spinning tires in the soft ground What? Crop circles? Drop circles in the moonlight, mean us boys have been around Show the girls a little good time, spinning tires in the soft ground Everybody has to go and Google the song Crop Circles Drop circles in the moonlight, mean us boys have been around Show the girls a little good time, spinning tires in the soft ground uh, As a brief diversion, I... It sounds like a weird know, song. <laughs> I briefly, I briefly worked at a... Or, or for a while, I worked at a radio station doing news. But whenever our news shows weren't on, we were playing country for some reason. And everybody in the newsroom would run to turn off the monitor because nobody wanted to listen to it. <laughs> but we eventually stopped playing country when we weren't doing news. But um, one song that was always on was the stupid Crop Circles song. Crop Circles in the moonlight, mean us boys have been around. Show the girls a little good time, spinning tires in the soft ground. That was, like, it was just this tortured metaphor about like guys abducting girls in their trucks to experiment on on the girls in their trucks. Oh my god! What by, like, by Obi Lee? Is that the one? I don't know. Maybe it's like the oh. chorus is like, "We're gonna beam you up. We're gonna beam you up. We're gonna take you in our trucks." Oh god! It's, yeah, it's now, it's a great song. It's a modern classic. For those who are that song instead of these apples. Every single time you said the word crop circles there, I put in a snippet of that song over and over again. Oh, good. <laughs> Just to get the repetitiveness that, that you were talking about. Good. I appreciate that. And now, Everybody should hear it. So good. Now that, now that I've tortured everyone with this song that they don't care about. Oh, it, so I've been instructed by my wife to tell you that clearly what this song is about is when people say, how do you like those apples? <laughs> and this is the response. It's like, oh yeah, they're delicious. How do you like things. them apples? Yeah, how do you like them apples? <laughs> and when Matt, da- Matt Damon comes up to you and, and says, hey, I got her number, how do you like them apples? What you should say is, 
Dem apples are delicious. Thanks. <laughs> and then walk away like you own the place. So or or you wait what, until he looks down. at you and says, as a matter of fact, they are my friend. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then you're both buds, right? Because you both like Brand Naked Lady. How can this be a bad guy? When you bonded, yeah. Matt, La- yeah. Matt and Damon, we know you listen to this podcast. Please come on. <laughs> and for no other reason than to do that that little snippet bit. <laughs> Exactly. And also tell us your thoughts on King of Bedside Man. So let's talk about the lyrics of this song. Let's talk about what this song is about. Um, What do you guys guys think that this song is about? (laughs) If Stefan were here, he'd probably say this song's about apples. (laughs) And that's it. Just apples. Just apples. They just sing about Macintosh and then... Yeah, Red Delicious and <laughs> Pink Ladies. I mean, uh, it's very bold of, of Ed to write an entire song around a dad joke, right? Like, these apples are delicious. <laughs> yes. oh, yeah, yeah, are. If anybody could, it'd be Ed. <laughs> Absolutely. Can I just really... I have to admit... um. I was this many years old, which is quite old, when I first realized that that's what he was making a joke about. (laughs) (laughs) I honestly, for the longest time, thought that he was... I I didn't know what the chorus was trying to say. I didn't even get that dad joke. Um, But really, all week long before I had read the news article, the, the news net article... Um, was that was, your first time reading that? That was my first time reading that was when I found it. Um, okay. And uh, when I went before that, I was just, I was like, I don't know what he's trying to say with this chorus. Um, and so the only thing that kept coming up to me was, was uh, breakfast at Tim- Tiffany's. And I kept thinking that this was like a prelude to breakfast at Tiffany's or something, because it sounds very much like those who don't know the song breakfast at Tiffany's. Here's this quick snippet of it. And I said, what about breakfast at Tiffany? She said, I think I remember the film. And as I recall, I think we both kind of liked it. And I said, well, that's the one thing we got. Don't say that we've got nothing in common. No common ground to start from. But it came out a year before this, and the way that he says these apples are delicious, as a matter of fact, they are, it it very much had that feel of like what happens during the chorus of that song. And I was like, okay, this is the same couple. This, like, this is when they're getting <laughs> together, and that's the couple when they're and then breaking up later on. <laughs> yeah. As I recall, I think we both kind of like these apples. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> they stopped talking about apples and they just started talking about this movie that they didn't, they both kind of liked. So Tracy, you're just outing yourself as not an apple eater. Hey, yeah. <laughs> not, not being familiar with types of apples. I'm no. more of a honey crisp guy myself, but I mean, mm-hmm. I, I cook and eat apples a lot, but it's almost always Macintosh. <laughs> I like snacks. So, yep. Very fair. Good Cortland every now and then. Good I know. Cortland goes a long way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I stick to the Macs because they are an amazing cooking apple. And mm. a great jacket. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Betsy, would you like to go first in terms of what you think about the, the lyrics to this song? Uh, I was going to, but now I'm not sure because the whole, as a matter of fact, they are. I took it at face value, so now I'm feeling like, like I'm in this minority of like, there's some sort of hidden meaning to it now, and I don't know what it is. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Like oh. I said, it, it took me 47 years to pick up on that. <laughs> well, so I, I, I can I can start if you want. Um, yeah. My, my, my problem is I, I do know that Usenet post very uh, uh, intimately. So, you know, as full disclosure, because we keep talking about it, um, like when this song came out, back in the early days of the internet, uh, somebody did a complete breakdown of this song on the Bare Naked Ladies Usenet group, which is a type of internet that predates websites and predates apps. Uh, it was, you accessed it through your email browser mm-hmm. or whatever, and you could just post this stuff. And they broke down this whole song really uh, individual line by line. And it was such a good reading of the song that Ed came on the new Usenet group and said, yeah, you're exactly right. And it's really cool that somebody posted this whole breakdown instead of just, I like the song or I hated the song. Yeah. Um, his direct line. And it's been stuck in my head ever since. His, his direct quote was, hi there. I think your name is Andrew. Although it's funny because the guy actually was says not, that not his me. name is Chris. Um <laughs> I want to thank you for your in-depth interpretation of these apples. I really enjoyed reading it. It was cool for me to read because most of what you said was exactly what I meant to say in the song. Although I'm sure my first year English professor would tell me that even the author doesn't hold the correct interpretation of his or her work. So thanks very much for enjoying what you, what I do enough that you put this much time into it. After all, the care and craftsmanship that goes into writing a song, it's very nice to hear something other than, I like that song, or worse, I don't. <laughs> yeah. So, and do, you, of- do you want me to go first then? Because I don't want to be yeah. influenced by. No, don't. But it's, it's true what that speaking of first year English, like I definitely ripped off that Usenet post for an English uh, <laughs> analysis of this song in you were, English class. Were, were you inspired or was it a direct ripoff? <laughs> uh, I'm going to say a direct ripoff. I'm going to go okay. totally clean with this one. I'm going to apologize <laughs> to the teacher whose name I forget. I threw you a rope there, buddy. But... Yeah. Yeah, he didn't believe can't... me either. <laughs> he, he didn't like my interpretation oh my and, gosh. and the entire time I was biting my tongue trying not to say well Ed said it was all <laughs> true <laughs> on this YouTube post so you, you go first so my, my interpretation is, is totally ripped off okay <laughs> um, okay so my interpretation and I don't have any notes on me because somebody in the house didn't buy printer paper so I couldn't make any notes anyway um so my interpretation was that um this was kind of maybe a first love and they were kind of exploring their feelings and other things as like like a kind of Adam and Eve which I know has been referenced I peaked a little but I didn't peak much <laughs> but I I when I heard this song it did kind kind of conjure up like an, an Adam and Eve kind of scenario in my head um so you know and that's mostly just from the mention of the apples <clears throat> that they're both sampling apples and oh it's delicious and you know can all this fruit be free is kind of like 
you know, they're exploring and like, is like, is what we're doing kind of without consequence, that kind of thing. Um, so that's what that particular part meant to me. Um, but <clears throat> when they are in the beginning of a relationship, it seems like their intentions and their interests in each other were mismatched and they kind of fluctuated um, uh, from one period in time to another. So, so she's being like kind of a little passive aggressive with circling the word romance. Ooh, and wow. he, you know, meant to be like, you know, really show his love and shave his, her name in his head and he misspelled it. So I think there's good intentions that are kind of like, maybe there's not great communication there. Maybe it's a new relationship and they're kind of bumbling through it and they're trying though. Um, and uh, let's see. That is yeah, really so interesting because I had a completely different take on this couple. So that's really, I, I, I had not gotten that. That is really neat. I, I really like so your, far, yeah. your read on, on like the Romeo and Juliet kind of aspect of it too, because one, one popular right. read I think of Romeo and Juliet is that they're more in love with being in love than they are with mm -hmm. each other in a way. And, yeah. and that's kind of what's going on here. Like these two people don't really know each other at all. They're they're They can't spell each other's names. They're giving each other <laughs> gifts that the other person hates. Yeah, um, I had to say, but like that was one of the notes that I wrote. Is he says the first words trying. of this of this song is that they're friends. He doesn't know how mm -hmm. to spell her name. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of friend is he that he can't spell her name right? <laughs> Sorry, poor, I interrupted you, Andrew. Poor friends. No, no, I, I interrupted Betsy. We're interrupting each other here, <laughs> like a poor first-time relationship. Oh, really? Stumbling. Yeah. <laughs> We're stammering. We're mixing up our grammar. It's <laughs> yeah. terrible. Well, I mean, and that's kind of like a very classic first relationship where you might not know what you're doing and you're kind of like fumbling along and stammering, like he says. So sometimes I stammer and mix up my grammar and you get what my meanings are. So, you know, she writes him, like, it's kind of like, you know, like I said, kind of lopsided, like she writes him a big letter, letter as big as a phone book. And he sends her a postcard. <laughs> um, and then you know, he's like, Oh, I wonder if it still goes by rail. And, you know, just kind of, you know, it's almost like that meme that's out where there's like, there's the couple in bed, and they're kind of facing apart. And she's like, thinking about like oh my god he's cheating on me he doesn't love me and i'm gonna check his text messages and everything and he's like i wonder what i'm gonna have for dinner tomorrow and you know <laughs> they're just kind of not in the same place um yeah. let's I see wonder, do you think do you think that there are a couple that because like there's two ways this can go right like there it's either they don't understand each other at all they're a mismatched couple and mm -hmm. they're they're too in love with being and and that's maybe like some things can go too far like maybe we've been in this relationship too long and we shouldn't have been or is this just the steps of getting to know like you never know somebody when you start out in a relationship mm -hmm. the relationship is getting to know that person like which way Betsy do you think this is going because he says I, th some things can go too far but he also says you get what my meanings are you know what I mean right I I think it's really kind of a like a a fragmented 
relationship in terms of like, they're not really quite doing things in order. So I think they probably like the idea of being in a relationship, but they haven't been friends long enough yet that they're, that they know each other very well, but they know that maybe they want romance or to be intimate, but they kind of skipped a few steps. And so they have to kind of backpedal and then try to figure out where they are again. Seem very um, step by step. Uh, the other thing about looking at these lyrics, uh, it made me realize that this song is entirely inaccessible to kids today because it references <laughs> both mail and the phone book. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. like, it, it's it's just a dead media song at this point. <laughs> <laughs> well, and and mentioning the postcard that he sends from Lethbridge, um, one of the things I wrote down was, wait a minute, wait, wait. He sent a postcard from Lethbridge, Alberta. This somewhere near Lethbridge, right? This guy is a tool two timing fool because, like, just a couple weeks ago, we talked about the fact that he swore that he was going to go visit Millie at her grandmother's house in Alberta. Now he's not only visiting her, but he's sending a postcard to his current girlfriend while he's visiting his unrequited love. What a jerk! <laughs> More drastic than enthusiastic, yeah. <laughs> My here's a question. So what what does he the the line that that flummoxes me? Whatever you're reading, if if this is um, a, a couple learning to figure each other out in the early stages of a relationship, or a couple more in love with being in love, and I think both are pretty valid. Um, what does can all this fruit be free mean? Like well, yeah, to me it meant like is what we're doing kind of without consequence. Like all oh. the fun things that that we're doing is it you know, is it for us to just have? Yeah, exactly. Like, I, I, I think there's a, a good and a bad reading of it, right? There's, is, is all this without consequence, you mm -hmm. know, because he's talking about being consumed and he's talking about like, what, what is the cost of us doing this? Right. But on the other hand, it could also be, you, you know, like this is the stuff of life. We we are designed to love each other, and here we are. We're in a relationship. This is crazy. We're horrible at it, and we can't <laughs> afford it, but we get it anyway. Like even though we're bad at this, we get to have it. Mm -hmm. So you know what I mean? Yeah. Yep. So like we're we're mismatched and weird, and we're not very good at love, but we get love whether we deserve it or not. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. I I, I don't yeah. know what he means. I, I can see both of those meanings. Hmm. I just, what I want is I want a video of this song, but I want them during the chorus, like them looking at each other in front of a fruit stand and being like, these apples are delicious. And then she looks at the sign and it says red delicious. Matter of fact, they are. <laughs> and then like, as they're grabbing it, like this guy's chasing them with a broom because they're just stealing fruit and eating yeah. it. It can always be free. <laughs> no, 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 it can't be. <laughs> you meddling kids. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is just the story of a couple in so in love, they're blindly ripping off everybody around them. <laughs> He's trying to, yep. She's trying to stuff a letter the size of a phone book <laughs> into a 15 cent uh, mailer and get it through the slot. <laughs> 
She wrote me a letter as big as a phone book. What we really don't see is, no, it really was a phone book. Yeah. <laughs> she just mailed him a phone book. He just never bothered yeah. to open it up to see what it was that she had written. Yeah, she's like, maybe call me sometime, idiot. There's <laughs> a phone book. Yeah, and he's like, me, I'm not me. reading that letter. I mean, yeah. she gave him a dictionary at first and circled the word romance. Maybe she sent him she a phone book. She likes giving book. books. Yeah. Yeah. She sent him a phone book and she highlighted her phone number and said, call me. He hadn't called her in a while. She just circled her number and said, it's like, but he just like got it. What would you like to eat today? She sends him a book and she circled the word McDonald's. <laughs> there you go. A book of nursery rhymes. Circles old McDonald. Yeah. There you go. Uh, well, now I want to know why she sent him the flowers. What was she starting to say there? <laughs> wow. She's a lilac girl, huh? <laughs> well, you know what? She sent him the dictionary because sometimes he stammers and mix up his grammar. So, yeah. you know, she was trying to say, like, yeah, see, it's all there. It's, it's like mixed up, just like like the relationship is. Yeah, you need to work on this. I can tell <laughs> that you're, I know what you're trying to say, but no one else understands you. Like, you really need to get some speech therapy because your stammering is getting to be a problem here. <laughs> I think it's bigger than that. This guy's dyslexic. Like, he, he can't spell. He's mixing up his grammar. Like, maybe there's an educational divide here. She's very bookish. Yeah. She's, she's writing large letters. <laughs> she's sending him a dictionary to try to help his obvious impairment. But it's not really working out for him. Can all this fruit what? be free? He can't even read the price tag on the fruit. <laughs> but maybe his glucose is just too low. He needs an apple. Read. There you go. <laughs> Maybe he's having low blood sugar. And who do you give an apple to? A teacher. Maybe this is not a romantic relationship <laughs> at all. He's she's just his tutor. Or maybe teacher, even yeah. even more disturbing is this is his teacher, but it is a romantic relationship. Yeah, a friend mm. sent me those flowers, mom. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not Mrs. Porter sent me those flowers. <laughs> <laughs> wow that's a whole different angle on it man <laughs> oh my goodness <laughs> Kukuchu, right uh yeah i i mean i think we get the basic breakdown but i will say that our friend well okay justin you, you you've had your hand up for the last like 15 minutes um should we let justin i think he just has to pee <laughs> do, do you have to pee? <laughs> Not anymore. <laughs> oh, really? No. <laughs> okay. Well, what then? Then what do you have to share, Justin? Okay. So this is one of my favorites of what I call the popular lesser knowns or when the bass went electric songs. Uh, first of all, because I'm a sucker for any cute, catchy Ed song, especially one that seems to feature a banjo solo. If if anybody brings that up, you got to talk about a banjo solo in the middle of a song, especially bare naked ladies. It's almost as important as when they use the inside of a, a bongo drum to make that in Enid. I mean, that's important. <laughs> and the second reason I like this one so much is once again, just like uh, the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost reference before. It's a Bible reference, a biblical reference about the Garden of Eden, 
Garden of Eden. That's what I said. That's easy for you to and say. So yeah, it's probably not about Adam falling in love with Eve for the first couple of chapters of Genesis, what with all the mentions of Lethbridge postcards and phone books and dictionaries. But you get what my meanings are. Is Eden near Lethbridge? Uh, so anyway, when you're going through the lyrics of this song. Of course, it's laced with little innuendos and uh, little metaphors of things, and that's all grand and good. But little things like uh, the very first verse has that I've never been good with plants, and that's fine. But it made me think immediately of a mixture of both the fact that they get kicked out of the garden because they mishandled some of the plants that they were looking after. They had to look after animals, they had to look after the garden itself, and they couldn't even do that right. So I've never been good with plants makes perfect sense here. And it kind of flips a bit forward to Cain and Abel being like... uh, Cain being the one who was good with plants and Abel being the good one with meat. But anyway, we'll get to that another time, I'm sure. We will? I guess. <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> I don't think we will. Um, you could say <laughs> him shaving her name in his head shows a bit of religious devotion, as a lot of religions shave their heads for stuff, but that has nothing to do specifically with Adam and Eve. The mark of Cain. Maybe. But that's a different story, too. <laughs> um but the chorus, above all else, these apples are delicious. As a matter of fact, they are, she said. Can all this fruit be free? Apples being the fruit that is supposed to be the fruit of knowledge on the tree of knowledge in the Garden of Eden, even though they never did say it was an apple. It's just the one they always refer to. But him saying these apples are delicious after her admitting that they were delicious suggests Eve ate them first. He jumped on afterwards. How great is the fact that all of the garden's fruit is free, but then at the same time, God did tell them in the first two chapters not to eat from that one tree, and they got in trouble. So that's a whole thing. Spoilers. And... <laughs> I haven't read it yet. <laughs> I mean, 2,000 years, guys. <laughs> I'm a slow reader, okay? <laughs> I mix up my grammar. Is there an audio book? Uh, <laughs> Three to four thousand years. <laughs> they fell out of love with, I guess, the creator. So I guess that's a thing. But they also, uh, later on in the same song, it mentioned uh, when he's saying, I'm not trying to sing a love song, etc., etc. Right in the middle of it, it says, I know I'm sometimes headstrong. And it was their headstrongness, their wisdom, that got them in trouble. Falling in love, catching fire, I want to be consumed. After saying that he was headstrong and wise and gotten smart, he says that he's going to be consumed in a catching fire. That sounds to me like being damned, you know, you're going to hell kind of a thing. And uh, so that's kind of the big little trinkets of this that I found in there. Oh, and um, the line, I've never been frightened of being enlightened, but some things can go too far. The idea almost that Adam was asked by Eve, hey, eat this apple after she tried it first. And listen, I'm just quoting the story. I'm, there's a lot of things going on here. But anyway, um, he was never frightened. Yeah, I'll try the apple too. Why not? I wasn't frightened of being enlightened. But this might have gone too far since it got a kick, us kicked out of the garden. So I love that. I love that those old things are threaded in there on top of the fact that like any new couple trying to fall in love properly... <laughs> They fail miserably at it. So just as Adam and Eve tried to become the first couple, and they did okay, but they fell out of love with their creator trying to push them together like the 
uh, fixer-upper that he was at the time. I mean, it felt like an episode of Seinfeld. He, trust me, Adam, you'll love this girl. She's great. Um, that's what I threaded out of it. And I love when little things like that come through in their songs. So, yeah, that's one of the major reasons. This is one of my favorites. Uh, and I'm so totally here telling you guys all that, so I'm sure you have lots of you things did. to respond to about what I said. So thank you for letting me I talk how... at length about it. Oh, for the record, uh, the Rock Spectacular one, the one where they do it live, is definitely my favorite version. It's just peppier. The chorus, the uh, uh, the acoustic sound of it is great. Well, more acoustic-y. And their harmonies are totally on point. Yeah, I uh, what I really liked about those observations is, is how truly present Justin was. Yeah. He was just, he was very here for all of it. It seemed very focused, yeah. too. <laughs> we couldn't get a word in edgewise, though. No. Uh, yeah, same no. thing. I love it. I love the idea of, of a Cain and Abel <laughs> deleted verse on this. That's like, I murdered my brother. It just so God would love me. Cain and Abel outtakes. He throws the plans. I cook the meat. <laughs> It yep. sounds like a musical the way you guys are doing it. We should we Same should just do musical. a whole biblical musical, but it's just the music from these apples the entire time. <laughs> like, from the people who bring you Jesus Christ Superstar, yep. Cain and Abel, these apples. Except for just one song. I want lyrics to. <laughs> just one song, a one song musical. I want lyrics to go with the banjo solo though. <laughs> yeah. Goes on for five minutes. While he's killing his brother, like that's the, <laughs> with the banjo. He's chasing him around like Benny Hill show. <laughs> and then a second banjo comes in. It's like wow. Like over there, I can actually see the rails where we started this conversation. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if letters still go by. Yeah. Wow. I wonder if it still goes by rail. I don't know. <laughs> we stopped. <laughs> <laughs> we still go off the rails i just realized that um in the beginning when he said that he's never been good with plants and that whole thing and the whole cain and abel garden of eden thing kind of ties back in with the whole he's not really a nurturer but he wants to jump into that whole romance or with the whole relationship and she wants romance and a nurturer and he's like I want to have fun, maybe, and <laughs> and um, be consumed. I don't know. That part just kind of jumped into my head. So, yeah, as you were. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's a difference between falling in love and being in love, right? Like he's talking about mm -hmm. falling in love, catching fire. Which I mean, I love Ed, but of course, like love is fire is the number one cliche they tell you never use. It's fine here, but he does use it, um, <laughs> and and being consumed, like. Yeah, that's 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 not healthy relationship stuff. It's just beginning of relationship stuff. Yeah, infatuation. Yeah. Well, Wondering, they... will I ever tire? Will I get tired of this girl who gave me a dictionary this one time? <laughs> and what I love about that is that he then repeats that line three times. Like <laughs> he's already getting tired of of this relationship. Yeah. <laughs> It's Except for in, in the rock, rock spectacle one, where it turns into Eye of the Tiger partway through. <laughs> <laughs> and on the inter, uh, I can't say it, interactive, intimate, intimate, and interactive. He said uh, Canadian Tire. <laughs> Canadian Tire. 
He does. That's why it's my favorite one. It's oh, just never really beats out the Rock Spectac version because he says Canadian Tire at the end <laughs> instead of that third Will I Ever Tire. I love it. I gotta tell you, every time that I listened to it, like I kept thinking of Eye of the Tiger. I'm like, did he do that on purpose and make it rhyme, like make it fit the rhyme scheme there? <laughs> and the whole mix up, the whole um, on the Rock Spectac, instead of saying mix up my grammar, he says mix up my grandma. Oh, yeah. It was either grandma or grandpa. Grandma, yeah. <laughs> I wonder if they ever played straight into Eye of the Tiger at that point. Like, they, they often <laughs> mash awesome. the songs together, right? Just break yeah, the song. Yeah, so it oh. Yeah. I, I swear, though, I, <laughs> at the end of this song, it almost sounds like they're trying to segue into one week. It just the 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 mm. musicality of it almost feels like it's going to segue into like a two part song where one week it attaches to it. But I haven't seen how chords are there. Mm. And, and it does feel like it's going into something completely different at that point. I guess that's the progress what he's calling the progressive rock at that point. But oh no, I guess I just. Well, we, we haven't really talked about what Chris or Andrew, whatever his name was, um, actually actually said in <laughs> in his analysis of this song. Um, I should probably add in the things that that he said that we missed. Okay, yep. go for it. I tried to avoid the things that oh, he yeah. said. <laughs> All right, so here's what Chris said. I'm going to read it as quickly as possible, but at the same time, it's a three-page document, so I may skip some stuff. Well, do like with those matchbox cars, you know, where they go super fast. Do the Coles notes, <clears throat> yeah. The Adam and Eve connection to these apples certainly adds a nice overtone to the lyrics, but the direct reading of this text is also very funny and very thought-provoking. Basically, you've got a relationship that's doomed from the start, quite unlike Adam and Eve's story, where there's the exact opposite suggestion of complete compatibility. At last, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh, says Adam on Beholding Eve. This couple is headed for disaster. Both parties are falling in love, are in love with falling in love rather than committing to love each other to the point that they are clueless to the oblivious, to the obvious incompatibilities. So she brings him flowers and he has never been good with plants. Clue number one, this plant is going to croak and she'll be miffed as his disregard for her gift. He will in turn resent her disappointment in his performance as a horticulturist. This is reading a lot into this relationship already. It's just their first (laughs) thing. I gave you some flowers. I don't care what you do with the flowers now that I've given them to you. My part in this is over. (laughs) it's yours yeah keep it alive she gives him a dictionary with word romance circled big hint that she's a sentimentalist but even more important notice is that this is the next presentation not the next present so much is packed into this one with twists of the phrase first presenting is what females animals do to indicate sexual availability really when do they start doing that (laughs) (laughs) second one gets the scent that this guy really doesn't want or need a new dictionary he just didn't really want it or need the live lax either but she has presented him with a dictionary and a loaded one to boot presentations are 
designed and intended largely to serve the interests and needs of the presenter. True presents are gifts to the recipient. Just think about presents that you've given that had strings attached that were intended to produce some result in you that were uh, actually forms of manipulation. You say, thanks. Maybe you even get off on the idea that the giver is pursuing you, but eventually you grow weary of the presents that aren't really gifts. Oh, I do. (laughs) (laughs) Clue number two, the fundamental dynamic of giving and receiving so essential to healthy love is skewed from the get go. He is enthusiastic and a little bit drastic, shaving her name in his head. Which we used to do, by the way, like, like I, yeah. don't, I also that was a 90s thing do people still do that because yeah i don't know if kids today understand that we were really stupid and we used to shave things <laughs> went back when we had hair we used to shave things in our heads <laughs> to show i i knew a guy who who shaved uh thunderbolts into his head and carved a girl's name on his arm with a with a compass in the 90s Ooh. So Jesus. we did not understand romance at all back then. Is there any no. wonder we don't still don't understand it now? <laughs> you just like pack away slowly when you see that he's carved his name in your arms. It's all, I don't Excuse think it works. Yeah. <laughs> As I uh, take this big old razor to my arm and hack your or, name. That's healthy. At the time, it was probably considered very cool, but you know. Oh, he loves me. <laughs> yeah. Ah, the adolescent brain. I can fix him. <laughs> I can fix him. <laughs> like, literally, I need to sew his arm back together. Yeah. Immediately, yeah, I can fix so him. He's, the rest he's of bleeding it. quite a lot. Yeah. <laughs> um, clue number three. Is there any doubt that this relationship is heading for the crapper? I mean, anyone gaga enough to shave a girl's name into his head and not even know how to spell it is begging for trouble. I don't. Hey, now, hang on. Hair grows back, okay? It's not like you got a tattoo. Exactly. <laughs> no regrets. <laughs> now to the line in question. He says these apples are delicious, committing to their flavor or commenting on their flavor. She says, as a matter of fact, they are commenting on the type. Delicious is this kind of apple, like Macintosh or Granny Smith. Clue if number four. Was, if he said, these apples are Granny Smith. <laughs> that, Ooh, there's another layer then. Oh, boy. Change? Does it change the, real as a matter of fact, they are. This is my Granny Smith. <laughs> I remember when these all used to be free. Mm -hmm. Those little wrinkly (laughs) apple dolls. They're just like, hello, Ed. (laughs) What's happening? (laughs) Clue number four. Oh, boy. They can't even understand each other in everyday speech. She's confirming something she thought he said, but it's not what he was actually saying. She's not contradicting or correcting him. Don't worry, that will come later. But even now, he should recognize that she doesn't get what he means. Anyway, who has been in a bad relationship recognizing the symbol immediately and runs for the door? Can all this fruit be free? Can all this giddy rush of falling in love and lasting forever that lasts forever? Oh, wait, let me say it again. Can all this giddy rush of falling in love last forever? and cost nothing in terms of building relationship, despite, indeed, because of hard work 
and conflict? Answer, no way, kids. Well, she had to pay something for those lilacs, too. That's true. <laughs> Unless she just thought those are free, too, and she ripped them off from someone's garden. I mean, who knows? Garden. Flowers don't just grow on trees, you <laughs> just... know. <laughs> Especially <laughs> lilacs. I'm never going to get mm-hmm. invited on this podcast again. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's secured your place here, actually. Come on, Justin. Actually, this is really important because otherwise it'd be Just really dry reading of this letter. <laughs> Come on, Justin. Let's get our stuff together. They're going to kick us in. <laughs> <laughs> um, she wrote him a letter as big as a phone book. He never has been big on mail, and he sent her a postcard from somewhere near Lethbridge. I assume that this is way rural Canada. Actually, it's not. Um, wondering if it went by rail, which is slow. Clue five. He's going to grow tired of and sick of reading these two tomes. She's going to be hacked off by the minuscule response if she ever gets it at all. Soon she'll be complaining about how he doesn't communicate his feelings, and he'll be complaining that, that all she does is talk. Here we have the essence of Deborah Tannen's work on men and women's very di- different linguistic practices, distilled and set to a catchy riff. Oh, sure, <sighs> you're citing Tannen now, hey? <laughs> My God, this guy's not in college at all. <laughs> <clears throat> Can you tell he's at Carnegie Mellon? I can, I, I can tell. Um, I wonder where this guy, where is Chris today, I wonder? Like, where is he at? <laughs> we should get him on the show. Like, was this the the, the peak oh, of yeah. his, his critical exegesis career? Or yeah, it, was... it, it reminds me of that, t- that movie PCU where the guy, his whole entire thesis is watching movies and, like, at the very end, these two actors are on screen at the same well they're not even on screen at the same moment he has two tvs that he's watching and they're both on the tv at the same moment on two different tvs he's like this is my thesis man this is my closing argument (laughs) like that reminds me what poor chris's life is probably like have you ever have either of you ever had an experience where you you posted something like this is an extremely good post but did yes. you ever post something online like, oh, this movie totally sucks or something, and somebody who made it was like, showed up and, and responded? Did that <laughs> no. ever happen? Oh, no. That happened to me. Can did I, it? Yeah, can I, I tell you a story about that? So Was it I, Monster I, Squad? Yeah, please. It was not my, well, you know. <laughs> yeah, sort of. Uh, like, yes, the director of Monster Squad has since listened to my podcast, Monster Squad Minute, and said that he really liked it. And we've had lots of people from Monster Squad on the shows. So hopefully they listen to it as well. Um, but if they didn't, oh, well. Um, but no, so one time when I was, I was very young, I wasn't that young. I, I wrote to Wizard Magazine, uh, which uh, was a comic book magazine in the 90s uh, that was like the only outlet for comic book culture at the time. Anyway, I wrote a very angry email to Wizard Magazine. Wow, I'm definitely not getting invited on any podcast now. Um, about <laughs> about a Superman comic that that I was really like, I'm very passionate about Superman. I was very angry about this comic, and the author wrote me back. Like they they never published my email, but they forwarded on to Jeff Loeb, the the writer of that issue, and he wrote wow. me back to say like, hey, you know, I appreciate your thoughts, but. Like, this is what I was trying to go for, and I think that I had a valid point and, and stuff, and this is where we're going. I hope you'll stick around. And it was so big of him to do for some stupid kid who was like, this comic sucks. <laughs> but it really, wow. it really made me realize, like, 
like people make this stuff. Sometimes the art doesn't work. Sometimes it does. But just going on There's and saying it, it, it sucks yeah. kind of sucks. <laughs> <laughs> and later on, yeah. you're like, I'm going to write a Superman comic that's better than his. Oh, someday. <laughs> I'm up to Ninja Turtles. Eventually, I'll work my way to Superman. Exactly. It's, it's, <laughs> it's a step process. Yeah, exactly. So the remainder of the song is about a guy starting to catch the drift and, and struggling to communicate clearly, no longer content to be misinterpreted as long as the romance still burns hot. Uh, he says he's never been frightened of being enlightened, but some things can go too far. I suspect here too far that he has thought of falling in love or having sex as automatically equivalent to enlightenment but now he's starting to question this maybe infatuation is finally revealing itself to be just another cycle in this continuing pattern of self-delusion though sometimes i stammer and mix up my grammar you get what my meanings are both are vaguely aware that this earth stats eden is going to have it's all too real fall this that mute <clears throat> that miscommunication, though it can fuel lust, cannot sustain love. You feel that he's about to push a tad harder to be understood and he, when he says these apples are delicious. He is getting close to breaking through to the enlightenment that he says he doesn't fear when he begins to see that he's in love with falling or feeling in love and is likely to repeat such fiascos in the future unless he takes a new sl slant on life. And this is a Satori. <clears throat> and his Satori will come when he can really, <clears throat> when he really can practice what he claims. I'm not going to try to sing a love song. I'm trying to sing in tune. <clears throat> you can sense his struggle Falling in love, catching fire, I want to be consumed. <clears throat> Wondering if I'll ever tire of this falling in love thing. It's great to feel the rush of cathexis that accompanies one's ego boundaries going up in flames. I think he meant catharsis there. But, but there's the nagging sense that to be consumed can't be all there is to love, much less to life. One also needs to be working on having a true self from which one can love the true self of being of the beloved. <clears throat> and one has to love well. Wait, and one has to love well one's own true self in order to receive love in return. These Apples is one of my favorite songs on Maybe You Should Drive because it suggests clearly that there's more to real love than the rush of falling in love. Our hero is at the edge of realizing that the only way to make a relationship work is to try quit, to quit trying to sing love songs, all the romance stuff, which does get you high but won't keep you together, and start trying to sing in tune to speak clearly from an honest, authentic, consistent self, staying true to one's values and beliefs, etc. Maybe You Should Drive is a great album because what BNL says about various forms of dysfunctional, unrequited, and squandered relationship in nearly every song is so insightful and unsentimental, 
but still very sympathetic, humorous, gently ironic, and ultimately positive. Each protagonist is taking a step nearer to the real insight into love. Given the most direct passing for love these days, one can do a lot worse than cranking up Maybe You Should Drive and cracking open a copy of M. Scott Peck's The Road Less Traveled. Both aim to put it <clears throat> both aim to put us finally into the driver's seats of our own lives. So maybe you ought to reach over and just grab the wheel, huh? That was written by Chris Thyberg. Copyright 1995. Okay. <laughs> um, I, I took the liberty of putting in a rating just because I'm playing with the with the ranking score and seeing if I could put it in. Can you see? <laughs> but feel free to reject my contribution there. What is what is the scores? Uh, what are your scores relative, Bessie? Are you looking at the sheet now? I put regerts in. Oh, <laughs> I do like that actually. I want to rate it on regerts. I'm going to do yep. regerts. How many regerts? No regerts, one regert. So many regerts. <laughs> I definitely regert trying to pass off that post as my English presentation back in 1998 <laughs> or whatever. That was a life lesson. <laughs> it was. Well, I didn't Betsy, do well. Uh, <laughs> Betsy, how many regerts do you give this song? I do like this song. Um, it's kind of one of those funny things where before I kind of listened to it for the show, I would thought it'd be like a high three, but the more I listened to it and kind of got to appreciate it a more, more is like um, crept up into the fours. So um, I would say I would give it a 4.1 regret. Regret? I don't know if that's, yeah, yeah. plural, I guess. 4.1 regret. Yeah. You Tracy, have to go all the way wrong if you're going to do that. <laughs> you know what I'm going to ask, Tracy? What are you going to ask? I'm going to ask, what were my other ratings? <laughs> <laughs> oh, crap. You have the sheet <laughs> I, I do this to you I'm every time, it. and you always hate me for it. Um, well, give me an example of um. I don't know what else area do. that you're I think aiming. I I did like we did. Um, God rest you, like Mary you Gentleman gave, was like a five. You gave you gave five to Shoebox. That's fair. I should just record this, and every time you ask, just play it back. Just play it back. <laughs> Here's our Andrew's ratings. He never <laughs> remembers the stuff he said. Um, um, Ninjas, you gave a two point five. Yeah, you you ruined that song for me. I loved that song when I came <laughs> on your show. And by the end of the episode, I hated it. That's a true story. Because of what? the farts. <laughs> because... Oh, my God. If anything, that makes it better. <laughs> so, uh, you gave a so four to New Kid on the Block. Four to New Kid on the Block? Okay, I got it. Okay, so, <laughs> I, yeah, I'm going to put this at a 4.3, I'd say. like <laughs> With a question mark at the end. <laughs> I'm going to... <laughs> like it's it's certainly better than New Kid on the Block. It's a it's a B side, but it's almost more like an A minus side. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> it's not it's not Shoebox. It's not Brian Wilson. You know, but um, it it's almost Brian Wilson. It's it's a really great song, and it's it's one of the best Ed songs of, of this type. Uh, it's so great. It's great when they play it live. It's a song that you can really get into 
like what it's about and, and kind of hack into in a way that some of the others mm -hmm. you can't. Um, yeah, I, lo I love this song, but I just love it slightly less than the real gold <laughs> song. It's up there. It's gold plated. <laughs> and Justin, what do you give this song? So uh, my thoughts on the song and my rating for it. Uh, out of five, I think is how we usually do this. I can't remember how I've rated a lot of the other songs, but this is one of my favorites. This is a song I can listen to over and over again because, again, it's more of the classic early BNL that I love more than a lot of the others. Uh, it is a niche song uh, in the sense that it's not one of their poppy radio songs, but it's definitely a B-side that gets some play, I hope, I hope somebody else loves this song as much as I do in terms of its uh, enthusiasm, in terms of its catchiness, in terms of its uh, subtext and regular text and uh, imagery from the Bible and all this stuff. I just I love it all to pieces. Like I said, I'm a sucker for a good Ed quirky song. And to be honest, it's one of the few songs that he did about a relationship. But every time Ed does a song about a relationship, it's always upbeat and happy, isn't it? Anyway. Uh, generally, uh, my rating, I'm going to give it 4.5 out of 5, guaranteed. It's not my favorite, it's not like the best of the best, but it's definitely up there. So I'm going to say a 4.5 for sure. And, uh, don't quote any of my other numbers just in case I feel like it falls short or I didn't put enough numbers on this. But yeah, that's what I think. I think a 4.5 out of 5 for sure. So, four and a half apples preferably with peanut butter to give it that better edge. And I'm totally telling you guys this right here and now as part of this podcast that's happening right now. And I, I, I agree with you, Betsy, like before this week, this is, it's songs like this that really made me want to do this podcast. Not because I love this song and I was like, Oh, I have to talk about that song, but my hope coming into this was was twofold. One, I wanted to expose people that hadn't really learned much about BNL to more of BNL. Um, but the second part was I really wanted to t have a reason to go back to the songs that I hadn't really given a chance to and force myself to listen to them over and over again, knowing either I was going to really find a reason to like it, or I was going to absolutely hate it by the time I was done that week. And this is one of those songs that I had never really given a real chance to because I heard the chorus and I'm like, I don't like this because I don't know what it means. And I shut it down and I didn't listen to it very often, if at all. And listening to it this week and, and, listening to people's explanations of it, breaking it down, and then just like sitting back and just listening to the song. I really enjoyed this song. Um, it actually, from going from like a two area, actually has jumped up to like a 4.2 for me. Ooh. Wow, it started at a two. That's a huh? big yeah. leap. Yeah. It is a huge yeah. leap. Like this song <clears throat> really rebounded this week. And, and like I said, that's why I'm glad that I'm doing this podcast because it, it's songs like this that I get to re-examine and, and find a new enjoyment for. And the fact that you can say that you are glad that you're doing this podcast 244 songs in says something. <laughs> it says a lot. <laughs> it says a lot. That's all I need to hear. 
Oh, it, it says to me that every time that I listen to a new song, I might be looking and say, I want to be close to it. Really? It makes you say that, huh? Yeah, <laughs> it, okay. it does, because I'm trying to find a lead into next wow. week's song. Oh, are you? Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was just a natural thing that uh, a human. <laughs> I don't know how to how to say that we're talking about they long to be close to you next week, but that's the song for next week. <laughs> that's great. I, I'm sure Justin will still Why be here do for that. I, yes, he absolutely will. Justin, he's he's setting down roots here. I think that he's making tea. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> great, I can yep, yeah, little Earl, um, Earl Grey. That's great. And, and this week I do want to cover this week in Bare Naked History. This week in Vienna history, this week in Birmingham history, it's history of Bare Naked Lady. Um, big week. This was the week in 1991 that BNL performed at South by Southwest in the in Austin, Texas, for the first time, and it was the first U.S. performance ever recorded. Wow! Wow! They went so deep into the U.S. Huge. for their first U.S. performance. They skipped like most of the country and went to Texas. <laughs> Can we almost jump completely over it? I'll, I'll do a U.S. show, but only if we go through the entire U.S. to get to it. <laughs> but that was a big that was a big concert, and the fact that they were, if I remember correctly, they were put on a wait list, and they got there. An opening opened up, and they're like, "Yep, we'll take it." And they recorded, I want to say, Be My Yoko Ono, the video for Be My Yoko Ono, the day before they got on the flight for that. And That then, explains the energy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that explains the energy. Intense video. Um, also, I really recommend people go out this week and watch the Intimate and Interactive and also the Live in the Guitar Store w- version, which has Jim playing mm-hmm. a brand new five-string bass. Wow. <laughs> I never tried that. Um, yeah, the inner... In- uh, why can't I say it? The interest... Intimate the and Interactive. You can do it. <laughs> Let her do it. got six minutes. But watch the whole thing. Watch them all. They're all actually really good. Lots of good... <laughs> Kind of improv and riffing and stuff. Intimate and interactive. Thanks, that was fun. Don't forget, no regrets. Except maybe one. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett. 
Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 